Welcome to Faith Church Pestigo Podcast. You can connect with us online at faithpestigo.com. We're also on Facebook. Just search for Faith Church Peshtigo. Today's podcast features a conversation between Pastor Jay and Pastor Ravi, talking about the sermon from May 30th, 2021. We're just going to we're gonna fly by the seat of our pants. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Least favorite It's going to be great. Hey, everybody. Oh, no, Welcome no, to no. the Faith Church Podcast. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. This is Jay, one of your hosts. Joining me is a very begrudging Ravi Helene. Hey, everybody. <laughs> Glad to be here with you. Do you think they heard your no, no, no? Uh, it's possible. It okay. likely picked up on both Listen, mics. Here's the issue. Robbie likes to be prepared. Yes. I feel like preparation just confuses things. Oh, well, that's that's telling. Um, yeah, Jay, Jay and I are very differently wired and so he loves hey let's just fly by the seat of our pants and that sends a twinge of shrieking horror down my spine because i do not operate well in that environment typically and it's jay's favorite so i find myself in said environment more often than i am comfortable but it's not about being comfortable jay it's it's not i'm not gonna grow if you don't keep making me uncomfortable that's right that's true Hey, well, so sometimes planning is good. So yeah, I had a big gaffe this weekend because, you know, we're only doing a small thing like changing our service time for the summer and moving outside next week. Remember the time when you didn't say anything about that? Yeah. On said Sunday? nothing on Sunday about it. In my defense, we had some big things going on. So Yes. Uh, but did. in my non-defense, that was a pretty obvious thing that I should have mentioned. And yeah, so okay. if anybody's listening to this this week, meaning the week after May 30th, what is it? 2021. 2021. <laughs> so if you're listening to this 40 years from now, since yeah. these will most certainly be archived right. and replayed, <laughs> right. this will not be relevant information for you. This will not be. But we are meeting outside at 930 on June 6th for one service outside. 2021. Yeah, 21. And by one service, I mean each Sunday. So the whole summer we're yes, meeting outside. correct. I just can't say it. Did you say at 930 a.m.? 930 a.m. 930 a.m. in the morning. On Sundays. On Sundays. Each Sunday, consecutively. Here, yes, here at the church in Correct. the in Peshtigo, Wisconsin. Yes. So, I, so yeah, that so sometimes flying by the seat of your pants is not such a great thing. I should sometimes. Have, yeah, I should have prepared that. But for this, for the podcast, I think it is. It's amazing. So you preached randomly on First Samuel. Yes. You didn't even say why you were preaching on First Samuel. Like, why are we just all of a sudden having? Well, this? we had this kind of floating Sunday, right? Because we yeah. we wrapped up. We just finished the series on First John, and then next week we have the nice, clean transition of the first summer service outside, where we're going to start our summer series, going through the Psalms or several of the Psalms, not all of them. Um, and so we kind of had this floating Sunday, and so it was a great opportunity to be able to just preach on something that. I was excited about. And were you excited about it? I was excited about okay, it. It seemed like it. Yeah. And it do, yeah, I've been I've been actually kind of geeking out on the Old Testament a little bit recently. So I was excited to be uh, to be able to just share some stuff that the the spirit challenged me and encouraged me in, and so it was a good good opportunity to be able to share some of that. All right. So well here, if I'm driving this 
this uh, fly by the seat of our pants train. You are. What did? What does that even? You were the one at the wheel of this vehicle that is completely out of control. But why does it? What does that mean? What's flying the, by the, the seat of your pants? route. Did I just make a board? No, etymological. Oh, etymological right. route mm-hmm. of fly by the seat of your pants. Um, first of all, I'm impressed by you th- dropping etymological right now. <laughs> well Glad done. Glad you have such a high opinion big, of it. Big fan of etymology. Yeah, etymology is great, man. Um, or where words come from. Oh, yeah. Those of you who yeah, have no idea right. what that word is. <laughs> well, uh, the, I don't know. I do not know. Maybe a, maybe a caller can. Do we have callers in yeah, the show? Yeah, we could take it. We could take. We'll it take live. a call right take now. If somebody knows, if you know, seriously, send us an email. I mean, we could Google it. This is back, like we're going back in the old days. We're like, well, who could possibly know that? I would rather not no. Google it. I How want to receive somebody... an email from a listener who can explain to us, especially if you can do it without Googling it. Bonus points. Oh, if yeah. you can do it without Googling it. You know it. where that comes from. But I'll never know if you Google it or not. But if you know why we, what does that mean? Flying by the seat of your pants. Yeah. I always find those phrases fascinating because they they have some meaning like there's a some point it where meant it meant something at some point maybe doug smith understands that i bet doug he is does. an aviator He's after all crash so test might... pilot dude <laughs> he, wait a minute no no i think they try not to crash no it's it yeah they try not to, they don't want to right. yeah yeah i he doesn't he's not always a fan of, i like that it got you like you even went along it with did it, i so. had the wait is no. he no he's, he's not he tests things correct they don't crash he doesn't crash them. right yeah yes um Okay, so we are going to fly by the seat of our pants. This look how well it's Clearly going. Clearly, look we how are. well it's going. I feel like why we why do we not do this all the time? So many so, reasons. All right, so we're gonna start doing that next Sunday. We're just flying by the seat of our pants. Everybody, worship team doesn't even know what you're playing. Just jumping up there and saying, "All right, let's do this in G." All right, play a blues riff. Try not to get lost. Some people might love that. That's Back to the Future. Try not to get lost. Um, try to keep up. I think I don't know. What try to keep up. Yeah. Try to keep up. Uh, all right, try to keep up, Robbie. I've got some questions, some things you said in the sermon that I'm like, hmm, let's hear more about this. Excellent. I'm looking forward to giving unprepared responses to yes. your questions. Yeah. So, number one question. You said... <laughs> that sounds like <laughs> so leading. <laughs> you said... Huh. You so say, this feels like an interrogation. Yeah, it does. Like, huh, interesting. Um, you said God giving you what you ask for is not necessarily an endorsement. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Here's what I love. <laughs> I threw out like three or four half-baked ideas before we just jumped into this. Yeah. And this was and not this one, of one of them. Nope. Thanks <laughs> for leading. A, this, I'm leading with a zero bake idea, but you said, you said, yeah, that it's not necessarily. So we kind of think like, yeah, just unpack that a little bit more. What do you, what do you, how, how how do we respond to that? This idea that okay, God giving me what I ask for. Why don't you recap? Like, what did you mean by that? And then I can ask some. Well, it was in the context of Israel in First Samuel asking for an earthly king, and and objectively, God as your king is better than a person as your king. So it is a worse plan for everyone to have an earthly king at the expense of the living God of the universe. So it's not good, right, for him to, in, in one sense, for him to answer that. It would, it, we, In our perspective, we would say, well, that's wrong. And so obviously God would say, no, that's a terrible idea. 
And yet he says, okay, yeah, give them, give them exactly what they're asking for. Um, not out of cruelty, but in, in a sense, like God will often, has, has often given me, given me, uh, there's no he's, etymology for give me. He's given you words to. He is. Uh, he's given me, allowed me to experience things or given me things that I've wanted that I've ultimately realized this was actually not great. But the blessing is in having the realization of, oh, this is not at all what I was expecting this to be. This is not better than God. This is not better than his, uh, than his plan. Um, and, and then I would argue like the most extreme example of that is in Romans chapter 1. When right. Paul describes the wrath of God as giving him exactly what you asked for. Like, so all these people say, like, we don't want you. We only want earthly stuff. And, and, and Paul says, so God in his wrath gave them exactly what they wanted. They said, okay, you want to be your own gods? Here you go. Like, I will, I will no longer intervene and I will allow the consequences that you are essentially wanting to, to come upon you. So we... It's not it's not biblically unheard of, certainly. And I could, you know, there are moments just anecdotally in my own life that I can look at and say, man, I thought this was a great idea. And God allowed that to happen. Turned out it was not a great idea. And and through that, uh, I can see what he taught me in that. And um, which I wouldn't be able to do necessarily if I just viewed it as, well, obviously it was the right thing to ask for because God said yes. Because whenever God says yes to my idea, that means he's communicating to me that idea was awesome. Right, which I think a lot of people, I think we we often think that way. So like when we say things like, well, if God didn't want me to go down this road, he would have shut doors. Right. Um, and I've thought that at times. So how do you, how does, how do you keep that from messing with your mind as you're trying to discern God's will? Like how would you differentiate between if somebody says, okay, I, I'm trying to figure out, should I, um, should I move my family? Should I take this other job? Should we, you know, whatever, any of the things in, in our, in our day-to-day life, should we adopt a child? Should we, how, how does that play in then? Like what, what should we be aware of? Or how does that play into our seeking God's will? If we're allowing ourselves to think like, well, if I ask for this, God might say yes, even though it's bad for me. Is there a difference in there is there something that's um because i would um yeah i i think i think what i'm thinking of is the person who says i want god's will so now i'm terrified to even ask for anything because what if i ask for the wrong thing and then god says all right well you asked for it here you go and it's actually not good for me well that assumes that god's going to give me something that's ultimately not good for me, which mean, which would be a denial of the scriptural promise that God is working all things to the good of those who trust in him. So um, good eternally versus good for me right now are, are two mm-hmm. different categories. Um, the, other th- the, the other aspect is, I mean, and this is, this is really, you're asking a really nuanced question that requires a lot more thinking before I answer. That's why we fly by the seat of our pants. Right. So this, this, I need something other than the seat of my pants to be flying by on this. But the the first thing that popped in my head, as you said, that is, um, the, to me, there's something fundamentally flawed in the idea that is, is discerning the will of God defined by him affirming my choices. Like if, 
if it's, if the will of God is, oh gosh, how do I know that I'm making the right choice right now? Like, how do I, like, I need him to affirm that I'm making the right choice right now. I would argue that's a misunderstanding of, of the will of God. Like what the, the will of God, as he has articulated over and over again, is much, much more transcendent than that. And, and if, if the goal is, well, I'm supposed to do everything, whatever I do, including eating and drinking, whatever I do, I do under the glory of God, that is his will for my life, then it's not a matter of, well, is, is A the right choice or is B the right choice? It's, am I, am I pursuing Christ and his glory above all else in this? And if I'm doing that, that's what enables me when I get to the other side and I go, okay, from an earthly perspective, that was a bad choice. Um, but God allowed that to happen. So what good was he working out of that? It wasn't to affirm that I'm great at making choices. That was not the good that he was trying to right. accomplish in that. He was trying to accomplish something better in that. So in with Israel's case, he knows this is a, this is a really terrible choice and this is going to end horribly for you guys. Um, ultimately, I'm working out something that you can't possibly wrap your brains around that is so good through your bad choice, which is ultimately Jesus becoming the right. king over all of his people. So he's not going to do something bad. It's not like the choice results in, oh, no, now God can only provide bad for me. Um, but I, that doesn't even become a question when I when I stop seeking for God to affirm my choices. Like, that's that's the way I discern his will, that I know that I'm making the right choice, and instead going... My choices are so trivial in terms of his sovereign direction and power. Um, it's just, is he glorified in this, not did I make the right choice? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think so. I think I think one of the key parts of that is what what are you seeking? Are you seeking um are you seeking the correct choice or are you seeking Christ and his kingdom? Yeah. And and so if I'm if I'm presented with a job opportunity and I'm trying to seek, if my, if my heart is seeking, should I do this or should I not? That's, I'm not seeking the correct thing. And that's where my, my desires can get wrapped up into that. And the reality is we can kind of make anything seem like we feel like God is leading us to do that. Yeah. You know, because once you kind of convince yourself that this is this thing I want, and if, if it's really this thing I want, and this is the thing I'm seeking, then that's the thing that will seem right to me. That's the thing. And so everything is going to get manipulated. And right. I mean, I've, I have in my life and I have heard other people say, I, I just, I thought God was like leading me down this road. And, and when you look back on it, you realize, well, none of those things would have been, none of those things are anything of God. You just kind of right. manipulated all of those circumstances. But if I'm seeking the kingdom, if I'm seeking Christ, if I'm seeking glorifying Christ, and so then if my question is, okay, how 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 am I glorifying Christ at the job I'm currently working at? Um, you know, because that would be an example. If you're not glorifying Christ in your current job, you won't be glorifying Christ at your next job. Correct. If you aren't glorifying Christ in how you use your current house, you won't glorify Christ in the next house. Um, and so that's where I think when you're talking about some of these decisions that we make to be so monumental that are actually pretty trivial. And right. when you realize that God's goal is sanctifying us and his, and our heart work, uh, then I think, then I think you can start to see why in circumstances, like if my, if my heart is attached to this thing over here, 
then God may very well give that to me, allow me to have that so that it can come crashing down so that it can leave. So it can be empty so that, so that then I'm freed from that. Um, And other times he may take that desire away. If I'm seeking Christ, then I find that my desires for some of those things that I thought were so strong when I turned my attention to Christ, they become, they become less. But um, I think it's good to, to make sure that I just, I see so many, so often I see Christians paralyzed by this idea of like, I just, I just want to know what God's will is. And I, and, and I think what we see in this passage that you preached on is this, how, how much sense it could make, you know, for the people of Israel to say, like, if we had a king, this would be so much better. If we were like other countries, like you want us to be, you want us to be this great nation. You want us to be like, and so this is how we can accomplish that. And I hear, I hear myself in that. I hear other people in that. Like how many times have, have, you know, if you've ever thought, okay, well, you want me to be generous, so I need to make more money. Right. So I need to, so if I'm going to, if I'm going to give, like making money is a good thing because I can give it away. So therefore now I've justified the pursuit of money, even though, yes, we're called to generosity. Yes. If you make money, by all means, use it and don't feel ashamed of that. Like use it and, and be generous and, um, but to your point, your, yeah. to your earlier point, if you're not generous with what you have, you right. will not be generous not be when generous you have more. more of it. No, no, never. And yeah, no. and that's, and so God's people, if they weren't, if they weren't faithful to God as their king before they had an earthly king, they weren't right. going to be any better. And of course we know that they, they were not, they were right. not. Better. It got it didn't, much worse. Yeah. It didn't, it didn't help matters at all. Right. And those earthly kings for the next several hundred years, led them further and further away from serving their true king. Yeah. Which is so interesting. So not only is this, we, we sometimes God gives us what we ask for, and that's not an endorsement of, or not a, a, a confirmation or an affirmation that it was actually a good thing to ask for. Um, I think, oh, I just lost my train of thought. This is what happens. We fly by the seat of our pants, Robbie. It's true. Got to keep that thing on the rails. What were you talking about? What were we talking about? Yeah. We were talking about God, God giving you what you ask for is not necessarily an endorsement that that was a yeah, yeah. the but best you, thing you know, to ask for. They ask for it to be oh oh yeah. I just find it striking how often. I find it striking how often we think we know what we need to be able right. to honor God. Right, like that's such a consistent theme in our lives, I think, and in scripture of, okay, God, you want this from me. This is what you call me to do. So this is what I'm going to need in order to accomplish that. Right. And so whether it's our health or financial success or obedient children or a good marriage or whatever it is, we think, well, God, in order for me to do the things you're calling me to do, I obviously have to have this, 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 and this. And so it really becomes about this thing. But if you, if you're not, I mean, it's just such a good thing to constantly remind ourselves of anytime where you're faced with any of these decisions that if you are not honoring and glorifying God in your current situation, then the problem isn't your current situation. Correct. You won't be doing it in the next situation either. Because like Peter said, the, you, we've already been given everything yes. required for life and godliness yeah we have already been if we are in christ yeah 
we have everything that is required to walk in full and absolute surrender and full God-glorifying and joy-inducing obedience to Christ. Like there's nothing that we are lacking that is preventing us from walking in that. So it is always an internal, it's always a heart issue that's preventing me from doing it. It's never an external obstacle. Um, but, but I forget that. And so I come back to, well, God, I know you want me to do this. And so if you would just answer this temporal issue, then that would allow me to do this other thing. Mm -hmm. And, um, and we can sometimes kind of misunderstand and and cling to scriptures like, I mean, set your heart upon the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Right. So you go, all right, well, I'm trusting you that you'll give me the things that I want. Not understanding that, that saying, if you set your heart upon the Lord, he will give you the thing your heart desires, which is the Lord, because right. that's what my heart is set upon. Like, right. if you dwell, if you if you want me more than anything, I will delight in giving you me. Right. Not if you delight in me more than anything, I'll be happy to give you all of the stuff that you really want, which is not me. Which, like, would make that a self-refuting statement. But um, so I think. Do you think there's a way though in which? You know, you think about in Romans 8, where he did not withhold his own son, how much more with him will, will he graciously give us all things? Right. I think there is, yes, on, on one hand, I totally agree with that statement that yet if when you, when all you desire is Christ, then he will give you all that you desire. Right. And, but I think that there's also then we, it's the opposite of when Paul says, I suffer the loss of all things. We also then receive all gifts when we when we are seeking Christ because now you know when Paul talks about the loss of all things um you know you're saying like I'm, I'm dying to all of these old desires yeah. I yeah. suffer the loss of finding my identity and all of this in in my education or in in his situation his status and education and and his works but then in doing that and being raised with Christ and, and walking with Christ and seeking after Christ alone, he then receives back the joy of some of those gifts, some of the like, you know, relationships and friendships. And, and now he's actually able to enjoy those things in, in a Absolutely. way that he couldn't before. And so I, I do think, I think it's, it's both like he gives you the desires of your heart and in that, yes, he gives you like when when your heart is set upon the Lord, then He gives you Himself, and He He honors that. That's right. what you want more than anything. But then with that, He gives us all things. Like you receive, which I can now receive right. properly, properly, yeah. and understand in the proper context, right? Because of which increases my enjoyment of it. Exactly, exactly. Because I'm no longer dependent on those things. I can simply enjoy them as the gifts that they are. I mean, Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of God and all these things will be added unto you. Like seek this, and you know, C.S. Lewis paraphrases that if you, if you seek earth, you will receive neither heaven nor earth. If you seek heaven, you will receive both heaven and earth. Like that idea of when, when really what I desire is the stuff, then I don't really get the stuff or Christ because the stuff ends up not satisfying at all because I, it, it's empty. Yeah. Uh, and I lose Christ. If my, if my pursuit is Christ, then when I receive that stuff, I receive it in its fullest form. And, and it's not, it's not this dependence where I'm just counting on that thing to sustain me or save me. I just receive it as a gracious and glorious gift from my father that I can enjoy with him 
because it's being with him that's the better thing and right. now we get to share in this thing together and i have family to share that with i have friends to share that with i have like like things are in their proper context yeah i think i mean a silly illustration that i've used before with that is if if what my child if my kid wants to go for ice cream if that's what they want more than anything and their their heart is set on that then i may give it to them or i may not but it's not it's not going to fulfill them like they're right. if they if they have it begrudgingly from us you know or they're grumpy about it but if they realize like being with me for example like going and hanging out with me is what they really want well then i give them that and then yeah. if we happen to go and get ice cream in that they're able to enjoy that ice cream in its proper right. context and now it's actually this wonderful gift it's ice cream with dad it's ice cream with dad yeah. and but if we go went and got you know a brownie or a you know to go get a pop as it were um, or a soda i don't i don't even know what people say up here right now uh i mean midwest so it's supposed to be pop right it is but i've heard both up here hmm. but anyway um then it, then it doesn't matter because it's with you know it's it's with dad and so hmm. i think there's that there is just that understanding of seeking and saying okay god wherever where, wherever i'm with you like whatever wherever i'm abiding in you that's that's just where i want to be and then you realize like i can i can do that anywhere and so now it doesn't matter where i work it doesn't matter you know if we go where we go on vacation it doesn't matter if i buy this thing or i don't buy this thing like if i'm glorifying god in my buying or in my not buying or in my um, going or in my staying like whatever i'm doing if i'm seeking christ then that is that is the desire like that is what god is doing in our hearts now i would ask this that okay so the passage talked about israel wanting a king now we could talk about that but i think um because i do think that is actually more relevant now than it has been in a long time like i, I do think that more and more people are looking for some kind of governmental structure to deliver like to make them to the, thinking that something like that will will make them holy because remember that um you know the people thought like okay god this will help us follow you so that, i mean that feels like it rings true right now and like hey this yeah. god give us this if we if we have this um this authority as a nation is if we have this kind of these rights or these freedoms or whatever then i'll be more able to follow you which is the same the same lie that it's there so so there's big picture stuff like that but then i think even in our in our everyday lives we buy into that in other ways so i think about yeah. like the the false promise of time god if you gave me more time then my problem is i'm too busy right if you gave me more time then i'd be able to follow you if you gave me more money then i'd be able to honor you with my money if you um if you gave me a better environment like better people around me hmm. then i would be able to honor you better so what would you say to somebody practically in any of those if any of those spark your interest here as we're in our pant seat flying I mean, I would just come back to Peter again and say, I mean, if he's, if it is true that he has already given us everything, everything that is required for life and godliness, everything that is followed to, everything that's required to, to glorify God and everything that we do and everything that we are, um, 
you know, with the understanding that like that's all going to be tainted by sin to some degree, mm-hmm. right? So not to to live perfectly, but but when I'm not living perfectly, it's not because I am God has withheld something from me. Mm-hmm. It's an internal. It is always an internal right. issue. So I mean, I think we would just come back again to the if if the issue is I don't have enough time, we have to acknowledge every person on earth is allotted the exact same number of hours in the day. Like, it's not like this faithful sister over here has 36 hours in her day. And so obviously she can accomplish more for the kingdom than I can because I only have 24. We're simply making choices with, with what we have. I'm choosing, I am choosing to, to invest my time in one thing versus another. And and view the 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 things that I don't have control over. Like, I get scheduled for twelve hours a day. I don't have any control over that. That's my that's my job. Well, rather than saying, well, so I can't serve God until I get a schedule that that allows more free time. If if I believe the promise that He has given me everything that is required to walk in obedience to Him then I should be viewing in that that as, well, why would God want me to be here for 12 hours? Right. There must be something he's intending for me to accomplish here if I'm supposed to spend this much time here, right? So right. it's not, I, I, it's so easy to look at circumstances and go, well, I can't do this thing because of what I'm doing. And and the first step is what what are all the choices I'm making? Like how much time am I am I just burning? How much time am I spending on the internet, on Netflix, on whatever, you know, all the stuff like that? How many how much time am I investing into hobbies or things that are non-eternal? Like there there are things that are obviously like I'm choosing A versus B. I would rather do A than B. But then we have things that are beyond our control. We have life circumstances. We have physical illnesses or we have job requirements or we have thing restrictions that are beyond our control that that restrict us in a sense but can we get to a place of saying like if i'm truly seeking christ the most and he's not he's not giving me this thing that i think would be better right clearly he thinks where i am right now is in one sense better or at least he's doing something in me in this and is expecting something of me in this yeah i think i think part of the issue is this divide between the sacred and the secular and the belief that okay well there are spiritual activities and so so often we've heard well i wish i could spend more time in you know i know i'm supposed to be reading my bible and praying having a quiet time giving um and so there's just this feeling of like well i don't i don't have time to do all those things and i think what we find is, yeah, if you, and the, the promise is, if I fully pursue Christ today, then I will find that I actually have, that he has given me all that I need. Yeah. Um, and he's provided me with every opportunity to glorify him. Now, the problem is, of course, I don't do that. And so, yeah. um, so that's where we get off track. But the problem isn't the, the amount of time or money or the environment that I'm in. The issue is internal. And we need to, in some ways, redefine spiritual activity. So understanding that, yes, I, that if I'm, I can change a diaper to the glory of God, like I can care, like I'm participating in his work of his caring for his creation and providing, um, you know, yeah, providing this care and this love for this being that is completely helpless, you know, or, or I'm working 
you know, if I'm on a factory line or whatever, that I'm, that I'm being a, a beacon of light and that I'm a source of, uh, that of joy in, you know, the break yeah. room or yeah. with the guy, you know, next to me, um, like I can honor Christ in everything. And if my, that's my mindset, then I find that I actually have a ton of opportunities. And then to your yeah. point, if I am doing that all the time, well then when I do have free time, then I, if if my mindset is I want to I want to honor Christ with my free time. If I can break apart from like, well, you know that only means these certain activities. But I can say no. I can actually, I can go fishing to the glory of God, but not in some artificial way that I say I'm going and doing what I want and pursuing this thing I want, and then calling it spiritual or saying right. you know. But it's actually in abiding in Christ. I am able to receive, like if he gives me a, an afternoon and I can receive that from him as a gift from him, well, then I, I can go and I can do that. And it actually, and it actually will be restful if I'm doing it, seeking him or I yeah. take somebody with me and that's meaningful or fruitful. Right. It just looks different. And so if you're, if you're the, um, if you're the single mom with small children and you're running from job to job and running kids around or whatever, then you're, your honoring and glorifying God in that day is going to look very different than yeah. the empty nester who is retired, who, you know, has a right. very different life rhythm, but that doesn't mean that you are less able to glorify God and that someday you'll be able to have the time and the money and the environment in order to glorify him. Yeah. I think that key theme here is just, be faithful. I mean, it's it's almost right. as if the Bible talks about that being faithful in small things and then receive greater right. things. It may or may not exhort us to make the best use of the time, right. right? That we that we have before us. I what what just popped in my head as you were saying that, Jay's. I, I would be I would love to know. I don't know if we can take a poll how we'd figure this out, but I would love to know of all the people in the last five years that have become newly connected to this church and introduced to the gospel maybe for the first time or 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 in a you know an efficacious way in an effective way for the for the very first time in a transformative way i i would love to know how many of those people were reached by somebody going door to door in their free time and randomly evangelizing people versus how many of those people got connected to christ and this church through work co-worker yeah. Because like the first 10 people that popped into my head, I know all of them, 100% of right. them, 10 out of 10, connected with somebody at work who throughout the whole day as they're interacting with them, they're modeling Christ, they're, they're demonstrating him, and they're communicating him. And then at some point, that conversation leads to, well, I think you need Christ. I think you need Jesus. And, right. and why don't you come hang out in this environment? It's people who right where they are, not in this imaginary free time that we think is going to be conjured up, but right where they are saying, why well, spend every day with you? I should tell you about Jesus. Yeah. I don't, I don't know anybody that's not, I mean, either work or extended family yeah. or, um, youth activities. It's, it's those connections and those places. Right. And, and so not only, not only is the the things that we think are barriers to us being able to be more spiritual, not only are they not actually barriers, they're actually the vehicles right. through which God is the, the, the platform. Why God placed me there. Yeah, that's that's why. And I think so much of that is there's a there's a trust issue in this. 
Like, do I believe God that he has actually given me everything and he has placed me here? And look, this isn't to say that you never should change anything, like that it's sinful right. to take a new job or to move or whatever. That That's not the point at all. It's seeking Christ in that. And I think it's it comes back to some of those so such basic things of, do I believe that God is good? Do I believe that he is sovereign? Does he have control over this? If I do, then do I believe that he is a good father or do I see him as an overbearing boss? I've, I've used this several times, but it's so striking that when, how many of us live our lives as if God, that we have to protect ourselves from what God would ask us to do. Yeah. Seeing him as this, this overbearing boss who will just like take as much time as we'll, as we'll give him. If I, if I don't protect some of my time, if I don't protect some of my money, he's going to ask me for all of it. Right. And that's going to be to my destruction. Or do you believe Jesus when he says that his yoke is easy and his burden is light? That it's not actually burdensome right. to follow God and right. to, to do what he has called you to do. It's a blessing. It's actually, it's that's a the, blessing. That's right. the abundant life. Right. And I think we just, we have a hard time believing that because yeah. we think, I just think I know better. I just think I have yeah. a better picture of what abundant life is. And I understand and and I picture... I picture the life that God has for me is it's probably really like it's, it's just these other definitions. That's probably really hard. It's probably really boring. It's probably really like, yeah, it's it's filled with all these things that I know I should do like eating vegetables that I don't like, but I do it so that I can go eat cake later. And that's just a, and these are just deeply Mm. seated, deeply Mm. rooted, misconceptions of who God is. Now that doesn't mean it's not hard in a worldly sense. We talk about persecution all the time, but there's a reason why Paul can with all integrity say, I can handle any of these circumstances in in Philippians, like to to say, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me saying I can, I've been sick. I've been healthy. I've been had a lot. I've been without anything. I've been like all these different things, but in all these things, he realizes that in pursuing Christ, I can handle any of these other circumstances. Right. Not just handle them, right. but, but them. Right. Paul, Peter, and James, at least, uh, all say, like, consider it joy yeah. when you encounter these they trials. In that, right, in because God's doing something extraordinary in you and through you in those moments. So and, not just I can endure them, I can actually get to a place where I can delight in them because I know that there is glorious purpose in that. Yes. Yeah, and I think, so... If you're in a situation where you feel like you can relate to the people in Israel and saying like, I, God, I want this, like, I would just encourage you to just consider what is it I think that I need in order to follow God better? And then just confront that and say, okay, then what I'm saying is that God hasn't given me everything that I need, that, that the Bible isn't true yeah. when it says that we have been given everything in order to to live a godly life. What circumstance do I think I can't glorify God? What what do I think I'm lacking? And and confront that and then ask God for help to glorify him in the midst of even even what you think it is. So whether it is it is in that marriage, it is in that friendship, it is in that family situation, it is in that workplace, it is in that neighborhood, hmm. it is in, you know, whatever the case is. Um, your kid got assigned to a, a a sports team that you don't know anybody on. You didn't get on the team that has all your friends. And so now why 
why is he there? Like, okay, God, if, if you'd put me with these other people, then I would have been more effective. Like whatever mm. it is, just confront those things, confront those as lies and saying, okay, God, you've placed me where you have. And now I'm, I'm to honor you in this circumstance. I'm to glorify you and to seek you in this circumstance. And then like we said, that, that then opens up freedom for other things then to change. Because again, if you're not, if you aren't glorifying him on the, the baseball team that your kid is assigned to right now, then you won't glorify him in the one when you, mm. you think, you know, you're with other people mm. or right. if you aren't glorifying God in your job now, you won't glorify him at the next one. We used to say that about hospitality it was a big thing. If you aren't, we used to say like, cause Lauren and I tried to be hospitable. In fact, you know, right. <laughs> The very first people we ever invited over to our home in California were Robbie and Stacy. <laughs> and um, that's a whole other story that was very fun. But we just confronted the idea. It was so easy in living in Southern California. We lived in this rinky dinky little place. Like our place was even smaller than your place. And, um, and our place was small. And your place was small. And we had all these people around us who had these beautiful homes that they would invite people over. And Lauren and I had to confront this idea where we said, well, we're not the ones who should be hosting. We have this right. tiny little condo that nobody, there's no parking. Who Like, how are people even going to get in here? <laughs> and then we just got confronted with this idea of if we're not hospitable in 700 square feet, we're not going to be hospitable. We, we wouldn't be hospitable in 7,000 square feet. Hmm. It doesn't matter. And it, you, we learn God takes us through these paths and teaches us how to be faithful in these oh. circumstances so that then we can go on and, and do other things. So um, there's a saying in right. India that it's not the size of your heart or it's not the size of your house. It's the size of your heart mm. that in, in hospitality cultures, yeah. like the size of your ho- house is meaningless. Yeah. And so if you, I mean, we've, we've, crammed a dozen people into a room that is literally the size of this office that we're in right now and you are shoulder to shoulder practically on top of one another and uh and that's just normal because hospitality is so ingrained in that culture um we can learn a lot from that 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 idea of it's not the size of the house that matters not the it's not the circumstances it's it's the heart and how i'm choosing to uh, use those circumstances or withhold those those gifts that God has given me, the actual gifts that I have right now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I hope that has been encouraged. See, flying by the seat of our pants wasn't so bad. No, that was fairly painless. I don't know if it was beneficial. Hopefully it was. If it was, please <laughs> let us know. Maybe, maybe it... painless, not painless for the listeners. <laughs> Correct. Um. I would love to end with the passage that we referenced a dozen times, just so people understand we're not making, we're not flying by the seat of our pants when we throw out scripture references, because um, that's a big deal. So in Second Peter chapter one, that's the verse that we keep we keep referencing. Um, Peter writes, "His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness, through the knowledge of Him who called us to His own glory and excellence." by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, which that could be a whole series in and of itself, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And then he goes on and said that amazing passage where he he talks about for 
um, for this reason, supplement your faith with virtue and virtue, like all the things that we should work hard to pursue. And then he says, if you're not doing that, it's because you've forgotten the gospel. So when we, when we disbelieve that, that we have actually been given everything that is required for life and godliness, it's because we've forgotten the gospel. Mm-hmm. We, we believe that it's something else, uh, either something else is required of God or something else is required of, of us, uh, and we've forgotten the gospel. So um, I hope that's encouraging to people as they, as you're listening to this, that the great joy in this is you, you, you can be generous right now, regardless of what your economic situation is. It is not dependent on that. And so if you, if you ever feel burdened or you feel like, I wish I could do, I wish I could give like other people give, but I don't have any resources. Um, you can be generous and you can yeah. actually have that impact it may be it, it may be a, a smaller dollar amount as, but god will give you opportunities to be generous and you can do that you if, if you feel like you're in a season of life where you don't have as much time and you wish you had more time like other people seem to have more time like yeah maybe there's something in your life that you can simplify we're, we're big on simplifying and not running yourself ragged on that all that but take heart in knowing that you absolutely can pursue christ in the time that you have and that all of your time, every waking hour can be redeemed to pursue Christ and you can honor him, whether it's in changing a, a, a diaper or working on a, on a line or running kids back and forth to wherever um, you can honor Christ in that and whatever environment you're, you're in, you can be light. So if you look at and you, you, are saddened or discouraged because you look around and you think another environment is is worthy more worthy of that you'd be able to shine brighter or whatever the reality is you can shine where you are and so i hope i hope that's an encouragement and not a heavy yoke mm-hmm. but a, a, an empowering and an encouragement to say like god has placed you there and being faithful to him and pursuing him in that moment is the is the greatest thing that you can do on any given day amen to that Thank you for listening. If uh, if this stirred anything in you and you have follow-up questions or, uh, or you want to know what this could look like for you personally, we would love to um, to hear from you. So you can email us. Uh, you can uh, you can call. You can catch us on a Sunday morning. We would we would just love to hear from you. We're so grateful to have this opportunity to be able to have a conversation that hopefully you are blessed and encouraged by. We love you, church grace and peace to you.